Okay, today is Monday, uh, the 20th of February, uh, 2023. The world is shaking around us. If you listen to the news, it's going to be civil war in Israel. Uh, Iran will shortly have the atomic bomb. If you listen to the news, it shortens your life. I think what we just have to do is uh, make the news good and what did the Lubavitcher Rebbe say? Trach guts, sein guts. Think positive. <laughs> It'll be positive. Um, I, I'm still rolling with the death of my father, uh, Avram Abba Brandspiegel, uh, but uh, life has to go on. But for me, when I look at that picture, you know, it, it makes you realize how old you are, where you come from, and the Lebedeke Dafgang Vaita, we're alive, we have to do, we have to do good. Now, I want to dedicate today's year, I want to say something interesting. Uh, and Vaita today is at 12 o'clock in Haramanuchas. Oh, he's being buried here? Yes. I, they didn't say anything, wow, okay. Uh, he's been buried near his wife, I hope. I would imagine, yeah, Haramanuchat is where she's buried. So he's being buried near his first wife, near Miriam. It, it's proper because he had children with her. Um, I want to dedicate this year in memory of a Talmud. Uh, I can tell you exactly, he was in the 1971 BMT class. His name, I knew him as Harry Grunstein. Tzvi Meyer ben Meishe Yehonatan. His son is Rav Yoshua Grunstein. Uh, let me say something personal. Few years, you know, I teach, I teach, I teach. No one has ever uh, cited Rakefet, you know, a prize, an award, teaching. All right, the rebunished Olam should appreciate what I'm doing. That's all I hope. But I have to say, a few years ago, I read that Nefesh Benefesh is giving a prize for Olim. They, and, and one of the categories was Chinuch. And I thought to myself, wow, they'll probably select me. Uh, I don't think they even, uh, no, I don't think I was even mentioned. But you see, what it told me was that the miracle we accomplished back in 69 has now become so mainstream, no one on this doesn't even start to question how it came about. How did you bring, the, how did you... Torah exported the Anglo world. I can't go into more detail now. I, I, I unfortunately am the only one left alive who can tell the whole story with 68, 69, Moshe Krona, Chaim Chamiel, Whitey Horowitz. I mean, these are names that you 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 might have heard. Robert Horowitz, you certainly know, but the others. But I do want to say, when you speak of Harry Grunstein you speak of the miracle. Here's a kid from Queens, a normal American kid, a baseball fan, comes to BMT. This was may have been the first Tachnut Yudhima program. Tachnut Yudhima were kids who had their last half year of high school was spent in this. Related, the Tachnut had to be abolished because <coughs> it became too big and the kids didn't take it seriously. So it didn't exist anymore. But ultimately, what developed was the 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 what do they call it? The year after high school. What's the word they used? The, uh, the, yeah. the gap year. The gap year. So here's a kid who comes, 
And that half year, his exposure to BMT, to the teachers, to Eretz Yisrael, it changed his whole life. He can't, marries, has children, comes on Aliyah, raises a fabulous family here. One of my dearest Talmudim today is his son, Talmud Ben Talmud. But many families, all in Israel, result of BMT. Today you can multiply that 10,000 times over. 10,000 times over. Abe, you're sitting here. Norm, you're sitting here. When, and Norm, I don't want to hurt your feelings. You're not the most. Your children are here. You understand what I'm saying? And, and we changed the world. But no one today, ever, ever, like, like we were around forever. Oh, Rakefet, he's not Olechadash. He was born in Israel. He's here 50 generations. You understand? Uh, you don't realize what we accomplished, what we did. And I'll take a little, you know, let's face it, this campus, how many people do you know, Morty, who gave YU a $100 million gift? Well, you're looking at one, a poor kid from the Bronx. Who knows what this campus is worth today? If we were willing to sell it, Mahon Lev would raise a quarter of a million dollars overnight <coughs> to buy the campus. And I'm, I'm, I have to tell you, facts are facts. I, I, I shake when I think about it, but Vayiftach Hashem et Pihaton. And I said the right words to Joe Griss, and I tell you, we, we, like I described in Washington, we fell on each other's shoulders and cried. That's, that's a movie. A billionaire and a poor kid from the Bronx, and we're crying like two babies, and we became very good friends. Very good friends. I, I could go in and tell you about our conversations and the years and standing in front of the building and him telling, he's telling me about the Sholomeshev, who his grandfather was the Sheikhid of the Sholomeshev, for whom he's named. And, and his brother was totally from. I have connections with Oscar's family too. Some of them are my own students. But Joe, America, corrupted, but the Neshama remained. The, the Pintali Yid, and look where we're sitting, and look at all the good. And he said to me, he said to me, Rafra Kefet, I want to die without a penny in the bank. I'm quoting the word by word. I looked at him. He says, I took care of my children. Now I want to give everything for the Jewish people, for Chinuch. And, and he came back to his youth. I remember him saying to me, the Kinderlach mit the Peyeslach, Zezayin und Zetzukunft. The kids with the prayers are our future. Remember him saying that to me. And here you have a living example when, when I see Josh Grin, Rabbi Grinstein, think of his father, I think of Harry, it hurts me. He's gone four years already. Did you know him? Did you know Harry Grinstein? Okay, because he lived in Ephrata, if I'm not mistaken. And, and he was, he contributed here, he ran uh, two different hospitals involved in the administration, Herzog and Ilan, uh, Alin, Alin I should pronounce it, and, and tremendous fuyat, and it's all a result of BMT. All right. Coming back to the opera and the, uh, uh, the shiva we did last week, so um, Rabbi Miller confirmed my uh, memory is correct, and uh, he asked the Rav, 
can you go to an opera? And the Rub said, what's the problem? And he said, Kalisha. And the Rub said, do you know what Kalisha is? And the Rub walked away saying, neither do I. Now, Bill Gewertz, Dr. Bill Gewertz writes to me from the tip of New Jersey, near Camden, Dafka, near, not, not far from Camden, we spoke about yesterday. And in my day, a young man, Moshe Berger from Boston, I seem to remember, asked the Ravzitzal if he can go to the opera during Svira. The Rav smiled and said, the question is if you can go to the opera altogether. The Rav then asked, who is singing? Unfortunately, I do not remember the rest of the dialogue. So, uh, but we're back where we started from. Uh, you, you're a Talmud of uh, Abba Bronspiegel? Am I, am I, uh, I usually come with Mark Watson. But ah, Mark, Mark was the Talmud. Ah, okay, so I'm, I'm My great-grandfather's not, uh, name was Avram Bronspiegel. Uh, Avram, are you, were you related or was it just by chance? Okay. Uh, now, I, I just want to tell you, and I thank uh, my Talmud, Rabbi Tversky, he uh, checked it out, and he told me the tshuva of the Sri Yesh that we discussed last week. In, in the new edition, it's volume one, tshuva 77. I checked it out. He's absolutely <laughs> correct. Volume one, it's an Ebenezer, but the tshuva are consecutive. It's tshuva 77. So what I quoted was from the first edition, Vic. My wife asked me how your sister is. Is there anything new? I see from your face, no. God should help. Volume 2, Tshuva 8. Now, that Tshuva is, is very famous. It's been discussed, rediscussed. Obviously, Chassidim were not happy with it. But it's a very powerful tshuva. It's not just the halacha. The halacha is the easier part of the tshuva. And you can always come up with a heta and you're going to see more material today. But his analysis of litta vis-a-vis German orthodoxy is fabulous. Now, he praises, and the story with Rabbi Israel Hildesheimer, again, it's... If only we knew how to make movies properly. This is, I mean, unbelievable. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter is all excited. He's coming to see Rabbi Yisrael Hildesheim and he comes into the seminary building in Berlin and the secretary tells him, Rabbi Hildesheim is lecturing now. You can go into the base measures. He comes in, all women, the whole audience, and, he, and, and, and Rabbi Filiakov says, if a Rav and Litta would be doing this, they'd put him in Cherem. But here, Halavaya hei chalki olam haba im Rav Hildesheimer. Now, and, and he goes on and on that the, the German Rabbanim knew how to educate. Let me go further now. And Mark, I'm on to page 216, and Mark cites the sources, and uh, I can tell you he hits the nail on the head. It's not, not just they knew how to educate. In Litta, most Gidola Israel, in their own families, there were tragedies. You've got to remember the Zionism, the secularism, the, the Haskalah 
was hitting away. The youth was attracted. I can give you many examples. They didn't succeed. You're from Lakewood. Take Rabaran Katla. Take his sister Malka. I can tell you, Eidut Nemanar, Rabbi Schoenfeld used to arrange. She was in a senior citizens in Queens. And Rabbi Schoenfeld, and I'm talking to my good friends, these with Tzaddikim. I only, God blessed me, I only speak to Tzaddikim. You're included in that category. So Rabbi Schoenfeld told me he used to arrange people to visit Malka. And Rabbi had tremendous years. Malka, my elder sister, my elder sister, she took care of him when his parents died young. You got to remember, he was often quite young. She took care of him. He had tremendous akaratatov. And she was a professor in Moscow afterwards in France and totally irreligious. So Roy Albert, and I think it's Sladowski, uh, that week, Rabbi Schoenfeld asked them to visit the Queen's Mafia, the Queen's Rabbinate. So Rabbi Albert, they go to visit, and they speak Yiddish with her. And uh, she, how do you say that in English? She's upset. She says on Rebarin, my Buruda had got a Zakop at Ken Sang, the greatest mathematician in the world. He could have been the greatest mathematician in the world. And what, is, what became of him? And these are her words a Kleine Rebbe. And he was the God of Hadar at the time. All right, that's right. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, the only one in his family to remain from. Now he has a schut. This this was told to me later, and I found out it's true. It, it may be a brother's grandchildren or a sister's grandchildren in the Midwest. Became, wealthy people became big balichivim, big balstaka, but the immediate family is the only one. No, give me another example. The Lubavitcher Rebbe, three brothers. One brother was as brilliant as the Rebbe, the one closest in age to him. Became a great mathematician. England. Lived in Palestine before. Wound up in England. That's how he survived. He was in court in the Holocaust. He was in Palestine. I don't want to tell you the stories that are told about him in Tel Aviv on Shabbos. By the way, that also explains to you why the Rebbe had such a feel and understanding of Balei Tshuva. He understood, he, he, he knew he had to reach out. And that's the famous, you know, remember this was the Chabad picked it all up and, you know, they have videos of everything. They spend millions of dollars to develop the videos. So there's one video where in the Yutet Kislev, uh, the Rebbe, there's a professor of mathematics present, the Rebbe calls him up. I, I, have you ever been in Fabrengen? I mean, the Rebbe is sitting Abunun up front and he called him up. And the Rebbe is talking with him. You know what he's telling him? He has papers from his brother, mathematical papers. He'd like him to look at them. And if he feels they're worthy of publication, the Rebbe says, I will publish it at my expense. My brother, his brother died young. And, and I don't know what happened, but that is picked up on the video. Now, at the Rebbe's funeral, 
the only blood relative at the funeral was this professor of mathematics whose daughter flew in from England. She came in Saturday night, the funeral was Sunday, and, and that was the only blood relative, because there were no children, that ever had no children, his other brother had, was killed in the Holocaust, and had, had health problems, mental, whatever. But that was the ge Germany, no, anyone here, a good, a real yekka? Entire families of Rabbanim, generation after generation. Kalbach, Kohn, Rosnack, you can go on and on with names. How many different members of one family became Rabbanim, you see? And what's amazing is, with all that I've said, he couldn't take litter out of his mind, out of his dedication. You want to be a good Jew? It's only in litter, only slabatka, only in mir. You don't get it in Germany. Germany is wonderful. After you graduated, Slabatka, Mir, Tells, etc. It's amazing. Remains with him. Now, this Chiva, uh, believe it or not, gets Rakefit involved. Ben, you're wondering, your first Ira? Stephen, Stephen Felsenthal. Right. Right? Okay, Stephen. It, 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 it gets. What happens? Okay. I want to quote a volume that half the Torah world looks up to and the other half it's in Chelem. Burned on the streets of Matastav. Picked up by the New York Times. Ah, Hashem, second power. Nathan Kamenetsky, Rav Nathan Kamenetsky, making of a gadol. I'm quoting from the improved edition, volume one. Anyone know what I mean by improved edition? It's the second edition. I don't have time now. There's only really one change in the entire, that I caught, only one change. Change was very simple, and uh, I, I don't even know why he changed it. I boast that in his year back in 57, 58, the Rav called me a reform rabbi. And they picked it up on tape. They sent me, I played it in the Kolo maybe 10, 20 years ago, where, where, where they picked up that shear, and there's, I'm saying, you are a formed rabbi? And the whole class laughs at me instead of supporting me. A half hour later, the rabbi said, you know, he backed down a little. Maybe you are saying something. So, I, you know, the rabbi called you a formed rabbi. Ben, what does that show you? He's, you're worth, you're worth his thinking about you. So Rabbaran in the middle of the Shia would get very excited. Anyone who's spoken to Talmud and Rabbaran, and he, so one time coming back from Israel, Rabbaran gave a Shia in London. Now with all due respects to London, they're not the great Talmud, they're, you know, whatever. So some young guy with a red beard, he's not alive, I'm told. I don't know who he is, I don't know the name but with a red beard, and he asked the question, and Rabarin shot back at him, Vos pinsto, a para aduma? 
what are you, a paraduva? And the, and and Rebnussen wrote it up in the first edition. The, the family objected, so that I found he took out. And I would tell the family if Rabarin Cutler called me a paraduma, I would boast about it. Baruch Hashem, paraduma tahara, etc. Now, in the introduction on the page, introduction page XX121, uh, Reb Nassim Kamenetsky in the introduction goes through, well, he evidently understood before he published that people will object. So it's a very fascinating forward, it's called, where he explains when you're teaching about Gedoli Israel, you have to tell the truth. And he quotes the Satmarod and others, don't tell Baba Mises. Tell the truth. Beginning on page 21, this question of mixed singing is exactly what he discusses. I was told by my son that Rav Shlomo Fisher, Rav Shlomo Fisher was one of the three Fisher brothers. He actually taught his daughter in Mechwala. He was, uh, the three, each one was a dying one was, he, I believe Rav Shlomo was on the government based in, one brother was on the Agudat Yisrael based in, and one brother was on the Eide Haredit based in. And Rav Shlomo Fendi, they were Goynim, all three brothers were Goynim, Goynim. I believe Rav Shlomo Fisher as well, he was involved with Itri. He, he gave his shear once a week in Itri. Itri once was very big. Uh, Steve, you, you don't remember, when I came in Aliyah, they told me, if you have any problem, they gave me two names. Uh, one was Rav Shmuel Shulson, for whom the Rehov is named in, uh, in, in Harnof. Uh, he was in the city hall, a good He'll help any Jew. And the other one they told me was Rabbi Elephant. Itri, power, influence. I never had a bother Shulson, I never had a bother Rabbi Elephant. Today I can boast I'm an elephant. We're in the same family. His, he had no choice. His great-niece married my grandson. Knew what could be better. We have five great-grandchildren, five great-grandchildren that we share. They're his great-nephews and my great-grandchildren. Five boys. Kanain Hara. Uh, Rabbi Shulson, my best friend, was Saul Shulson, his cousin, if I ever needed help. Baruch Hashem. Anyway, uh, so Rabbi Shulson, R- Rabbi Fisher, told Rav Nussin's son how Rav Yitzchak Kulitz was furious about a certain Rosh Hashiva. Who is Rav Yitzchak Kulitz? Uh, 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 one second. Mori, you remember him when you came Aliyah with me, chief rabbi of Yerushalayim? <coughs> Jolti was, he, he came after Jolti, he came after Jolti. We dabbled together in old Rivka, we, we, we were good friends, good friends. I was good friends with Jolti, which is a story unto itself, not for now, and good friends with Rabbi Kulitz. And Rabbi Kulitz was furious with a certain Rosh Yeshiva in court, they don't mention the names, so I don't want to guess. Why? Because there was a story about Rabbi Sazalman Melsa, Rabban Kutler's father-in-law. Rabbi Sazalman Melsa was going up the steps to his house and overheard the cleaning lady singing to herself while washing the floor. Rabbi Sazalman went back to the street and paced the ground for a long while. 
until she finished her work and then returned home. The Rosh Hashiva claimed that Bishazalman's action was indicative of how careful he was in avoiding Kol Isha. And Rabbi Kulitz was furious. That's not the real story. That Bishazalman was concerned that when he would walk into the house, the woman who enjoyed singing while on the job would be inconvenienced by having to stop singing for the rest of her working time. And he gives a source. Morty, I'm glad you caught it in advance. He gives a source that uh, David, in the biography by Rabbi Zalman's grandson, nothing is mentioned about Kalisha. It simply was to show he knew that the maid <coughs> would be embarrassed to sing in front of Rabbi Sazalman. He didn't walk, didn't want to walk in. Beautiful. Now, how do I get involved? In the footnote, there's a long footnote here, very interesting footnote, as you will see. But Nesson uh, Kamenetsky quotes this volume. I, these volumes are getting publicity lately and uh, it's hard for me to believe uh, I'm just a little guy but Baruch Hashem The Rav, The World of Rabbi Joseph B. Soloveitchik Volume 1 Page 178 In the section about Rabbi Yosef Bear the Beit HaLevi for whom David move move out so I can see your face. The, the Beit Halevi, who the Rav is named for. So I'm sitting with the, the Boston Rebbe. The Boston Rebbe, he knew my brother much better than he knew me. Why had he know my brother so well? Because as a the Boston Rebbe is an expert on which doctors to refer you to. So if someone had a certain type of eye problem where he knew my brother was the specialist, he would defer him. But through my brother and the fact that he lived in Hanof when he came in Aliyah, my daughter lived nearby, we got to know each other, okay? So I'm sitting with the Boston Rebbe, and here I quote, the Boston Rebbe is now telling me the following. The Rub spoke about his great-grandfather, Rabbi Yosef Bersalavechik, the author of the Beit HaLevi. When in Warsaw, he decided to visit Rabbi Yaakov Gesundheit. Rabbi Yaakov Gesundheit, we're talking the 1800s, Yaakov Gesundheit was one of the most famous rabbonim in Warsaw, Gonadir, the Soloveitchik family, tremendous reverence for him. I have discussed that Dr. Rabbi Dr. Yaakov Gesundheit, his great-grandson or great-great-grandson, is married to my student, Tamar Yehuda. And he lives, you read about him, what you read about him in Jerusalem Post. He's working in Berlin where they developed a whole way with cancer, how to fight the cells. There was a whole article and he, and he explained to me, he's a doctor here, but he's a big Talmud Chachem and he teaches here, but he, he has a big thing going in Berlin. I said, so why in Berlin? 
who explained to me in Berlin there are less restrictions on doctors because of what Hitler did to doctors and forced them to be Rishayim, afterwards they abolished doctors are free to do as they wish. Certain experiments you can do more easily in Berlin than you can do here. It's working with animals and cancer cells, etc. So a lot of the research is being done in Berlin. So the Rabbi Yosef Baird, the Beit Halevi, went to visit Rabbi Yaakov Gesundheit. They were seated in the living room and suddenly they heard the Jewish maid in the kitchen start to sing. Rabbi Yankler immediately stood up and angrily walked in the direction of the kitchen to stop the maid singing. Rabbi Yosef Baird also rose, pulled his host aside, the rabbi of Warsaw asked the Beit HaLevi why he stopped them. I will explain my actions, said Rabbi Yashabar. Quote, your maid works hard. The only enjoyment and pleasure she has is singing. It is true that we enjoined, we are enjoined from listening to your singing but we can step outside or go into a different room. However, you want to stop her singing, that is not fair. It is her only enjoyment. So, very powerful sources which support the three-day age 100%. However, the footnote that continues is even more famous than everything I've told you until now. And I, I pick it up. Uh, the author came across another such incident. One time, Rav Yaakov Yitzchak Rudiman, known as Rav Yaakov Rudiman, to everyone, the Rosh Hashiva of Ne Yisrael, I had very close friends who were related to him. Actually, I have among my students uh, grandchildren of his, Rav Rudiman. What an individual. He built near Yisrael. I mean, again, you may have heard the story from me, but remember, it all began in New Haven, Rav Sheftu Kramer. It didn't catch on. Rabbi Belkin taught there, 2930, and uh, I got to check, I think it's 2930. And he, I checked uh, Bernard Revel, I have it in there. And uh, he was very proud, he said. When, when, when I told Rabbi Shmuel Belkin I had gotten the contract with JPS, I'd be publishing a revised edition of my doctorate, he said to me, be sure to mention that I was, I taught in New Haven Yeshiva. And I, I mentioned it. And uh, it, didn't, it didn't catch on, then they went to Cleveland. It didn't catch on, although the roots that were left in Cleveland ultimately sprout with tells, but that's years later. From Cleveland, it shot off into Baltimore. And Rav Rudiman, I believe he was Rav Sheftel Kramer's son-in-law, if I'm not mistaken, but he was the one. And now he's speaking at a session of Torah Mesorah Machanchem. And the people who were there uh, re recorded, I don't know if Rabnesson was there, but he's, they noted 
that he was in doubt whether to tell this story. He's, I can understand why. I, I remember when I was younger, I was in doubt to tell all the truth that I knew. You know, why did I have to know it? They won't understand it. You reach my age, you want to let all the secrets out. That's, that's uh, I would imagine, part of aging and part of honesty in Torah. So uh, he told the story. In the early 1930s, he was invited to spend the Shabbat at the home of the Rabbi of Elizabeth, Rebleza Mayor Pearl. Now, Pearl, P-R-E-I-L. Uh, I'm sure, Vic, you know who I'm talking about. Your brother taught in Elizabeth. How did Elizabeth come? There was a big rub there, Ralph Prell. Ralph Prell was a great Talmud Chacham, published for him. He taught for a while at Yeshiva Sivisikol but it became too hard for him to commute. He lost too much time and he had a big rap in it. You know Rabbi Prell, when he died, uh, they said whoever would marry his daughter would inherit the rabbinate and she was quite a wonderful lady and a young man from Tells, from Europe who had just arrived in America by the name of Rabbi Tites. And Rabbi Tites married Rabbi Prell's daughter. He inherited the rabbinate. Rabbi Tites' son is Rabbi Lezim Meir Tites, named after Rabbi Prell. It's, it's their grandchildren on all sides. Now, so Rav Ruderman is invited to Rabbi Prell's home. Before the arrival of the Shabbat, Rabbi Prell took him aside for a confidential exchange of words. He told his guest that he had several daughters eating at the Shabbat table. One of them marries Rabbi Tais, one marries Rabbi Raymond, if anyone knows Rabbi Raymond's yeshiva, where's at the Highland Park in that area? It's called Rabbi Raymond Yeshiva. And took him aside. He told me he had someone who enjoyed Shabbat by seeing the smirat along with their father. The Rav told him that Rabbarach Be'er Leibowitz had been a guest in his house in 1929. Rabbarach Be'er spent many months in America fundraising. And then when the girls began singing, he stood up, ran out of the room, unintentionally perturbing the Shabbat for the girls and humiliating their father. The host then asked whether Rabbi Ruderman would do the same. The guest replied that with his Slabotka background, he would not destroy the family's Shabbat spirit or embarrass his host. He would remain sitting and not listening to the girls despite the seeming normative halachic imperative to leave the room. He concluded, quote, my frumkite does not have to hurt others. Okay? This is quite a story. The Tykes family, it hits why you, Rabbi Jerry, Rabbi, Rabbi Yosef Blau, to meet Jerry Blau, married to Rabbi Tykes' daughter Rivka, the Prells, Elizabeth, all that we know about. Now, after the uh, improved edition of Making of a Guttle came out, uh, 
he issued a few pages of like addendum. It's called the Radata in footnotes. And on this footnote, he adds the following. Listen carefully. My son, Rabbi Yosef, called me, called my attention to a report by my grandson, Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zunnenfeld, and he gives you the source, that at a birthday party of the High Commissioner of Palestine, presumably Sir Herbert Samuel, remember that he was the Jew appointed, everyone thought it's like Mashiach, it is a big thing, High Commissioner of England, okay. He was a bit firmer than Nides is. Uh, from Nides, I wouldn't uh, quote, but all right. I believe it was a Shem and uh, it was a bit, okay. What, what, at this birthday party, when, the fa- when her father announced that she would sing, Rabbi Cook left the room and Rabbi Sonnenfeld stayed. Wow. Bent down his head, tried not to listen. Rabbi Sonnenfeld explained to his escort that the commissioner would have been insulted had he left the room. And uh, that's exactly the story with Rabbi Ruderman vis-a-vis Rabbi Now, uh, Morty, let me just tell you the following. Last week, a Talmud of mine came in person and he gave me a beautiful gift. He said, Gerich Hasid. Uh, how he became a Gerich Hasid, Vesichmisht. And he's a Gerich Hasid, not Rab Shal. He's with the old time Gerich. And uh, he's from Lakewood. So Lakewood, his father was sent uh, by Rab Nassim Vachfog, I believe, to, love, to Paris to help organize the yeshiva stuff. And yeshiva is very capable. He's getting a doctorate now on the Sfarno, he has to write a 30-page French because it's being done in France, a branch of the Hamburg University, a whole story. He gave me a gift, um, Letters of the Re'em. Who was the Re'em? Rabbi Avram Mordechai. We spoke about him yesterday. This is uh, talking about the third Gera Rebbe. This is uh, the son of the Sfatemet. They're talking about Gadol Shebegedoylem. He knew Kala Torah by heart. And uh, he writes a letter after he, he visited Palestine. He said, Rav Cook, nothing like what they say in Poland. A tzaddik, a gon, a machmia. Morty, believe me, if someone would blindfold me and tell me the story, and who do you think walked out and who do you think stayed? 100%. Rav Zunnerfeld stayed, Rav Cook walked out. And it's interesting in their descendants, Rav Cook's family suffered. They were murdered in Hebron, etc. Terrorist attacks, modern times. Died young. Whatever remained from Rav Cook, a good deal of it is Haredi. Borderline Haredi. Semi-Haredi. Rav Sonnenfeld, hundreds, hundreds of, if not thousands of direct descendants today. I taught many. 90% Srugim Kipat Srugat. So you see, somehow the descendants picked up, like I said to Rav Goldwich, they picked up what's really in your heart. And uh, Rav Cook, Tzadik, Alitvak, how can you listen? Very fascinating. Both the footnote 
and all that's with it, and a very, very fascinating topic. Where do you draw the line? You don't want to embarrass, you don't want to embarrass, ruin the Shabbat, American girls. Yes, Morty. My Rebbe from Tel But From where, from where? In Washington, he was the Rosh Yeshiva. Rabbi Anima. Right. Connected was also was the girls' high school. And every so often they had a Shabbat telling me he would come. And he told me, there's no problem. He says they start singing. They start singing with them louder. You know what, that's Treko Lomishtai. I think they said, I don't hear anybody. And I don't hear another cold. No, you don't have to even sing louder. Treko Lomishtai. So, I can tell you on a very... even better because he was with them. They were happy. On a very personal level, as someone related to us, uh, went to Stern College and then came to Israel and wound up in uh, Bayat Vagan. Well, what's the whole campus there? What's it called? Uh, for women, for women. Uh, right wing, right wing. There's not such no, there was a whole campus, forget the name, years ago, I, I was, I think I once spoke there actually. But anyway, uh, she comes to our house Friday night, Shabbos, doesn't sing Zmirat, Kolisha. All I can tell you is I don't believe she knows what Shabbos is today. It's 20 years later. It's sad. So, all right, we have to... We have to reach out, understand, within the context. I just I, uh, dictated a letter to Yomo, and I asked to go to Flatbush, a question I was asked. And you have to reach out to the student within his context. How did I do it? We're talking about how do you get a kid excited, how do you get a... So I wrote back, look, it's many decades since I taught in a high school level. But one thing I know in the 60s, I used to embellish my shayurim with my baseball knowledge. And boy, these kids fell for it hook, line, and sinker. And the truth is, Norm, with all due respects, until today, my closest relations are with my students from the 60s. You know, many of them are my age already. They're over 70. It's not, not simple. But uh, all right, that's the challenge. All right, let me go, let me go a drop further. And uh, let me come back to the Tshuva Rabbi Chil Yaakov. Now, what Rabbi Chil Yaakov says and repeats time and again in the Tshuva and in all his writings in German orthodoxy compared to Lita, Poland, people are influenced by their surroundings. We all struggle with this. Uh, today it's infinitely harder because there's no way you can build the ghetto around yourself. Any kid opens a computer, the whole world is there. I mean, I, I stand in awe, I shiver, I shake. What's available, what you can find, and I'm talking only from in the Torah world, uh, Lubavitch, go to YouTube, type in Lubavitch Rebbe. You'll get enough material to occupy you for seven full years. Uh, but beyond Torah, if there's so much Torah, there's so much of everything else, including I, what we discussed yesterday, sex and, and, and liberalism and uh, the, the woke generation and all these new words, we're influenced. And very important 
when you teach, Torah has to be taught within the context of the influence. All right? Take yesterday's shir where I spoke about how to approach sex, how to teach sex, because we're dealing with such a delicate shiva with the carpools to mikvah. Uh, and and Rabbi Yaakov makes the point and hits home and hits home and hits home on that point in the tshuva. I have to tell you, this just broke. If you're following the computer and uh, Yeshiva World News, what just happened? There's a new concept that uh, didn't exist in my time, but I know about it because when I was younger, all of you know, for a good 25 years, I would visit America for good reasons at least twice a year. There were times in the 80s, the 90s, I was in America three times a year. And many times I wound up in Hollywood, Florida, uh, January, January, Yeshiva week. What do they call it? Vacation. Everyone, everyone on vacation. I remember people taking us out to eat. You couldn't even get into the restaurant. Mobsy, mobsy. My dear students, I'm now quoting from, uh, what would you call this, a post in Yeshiva World News on February 1st, 2023. As a Rebbe for more than a decade, I am stunned and perplexed at the going trend of families going on luxurious vocations over the mid-winter break. I know many people think my job is easy, but it's not. Ensuring that every one of my Talmudim is inculcated with a proper sense of direction and their very academic, social, psychological, spiritual, and even physical needs are met is grueling at times. But seeing the Talmudim grow day after day, week after week, and month after month makes it all worth it and more. And I can, I can understand these feelings. He must be a high school rebbe. And, you know, you want to impress, I know, some of the youngsters. I remember there was, I write about him in Washington. I, I don't know if I, I don't think I identify him. I always ask permission to identify the name. But I remember a kid was, his mother was ill in the house. There were problems. His sister ran away and got married young to escape the depression of the illness. She's no longer alive, Zichrona Levracham, Tzadeket. And uh, her younger brother, father's a rabbi, beautiful family, accepted into YU conditionally, the high school, on probation. And I remember how much I helped this kid, how much I reached out to this kid. And uh, he's a great Talmud Chacham today, a psychologist, rabbi. There's another kid I had, uh, Holocaust, second generation, uh, only child, parents, mother suffering, of uh, course, suffering. She was in jail with her sister when the Gestapo came for them in France, and nine siblings were killed. These two survived because they were in jail at that time. Could you imagine what this means later in life? Why did I survive? And this poor kid, what he went through. 
and he's a kid, uh, he went to Hirsch and uh, he would ask questions and, and the teachers would say, uh, Jacques, when you know, call a Torah cooler, you'll ask questions, until then shut up. And he was a kid, a brilliant kid, 13, 14, already eating non-kosher pizza, not putting on tefillin when his father didn't notice. And he fed him to my class. And he said, the Rebbe, he says, you were the first Rebbe I ever had that not only answered questions, but encouraged questions. And we remain like, he's the only one outside of my daughters that I walked the chuppah as a father. His father would die young, Hitler survivor, and then turned around and was Masada condition. And you put in so much effort and you have such nachat when you see a young person developing. This is a teacher. Uh, Steve, don't become a teacher unless you can make the effort and feel the nachat. You understand? This is, if you don't have a good teacher, you're finished. And this is one of our big problems, that we don't have enough good teachers. I would pay teachers a half million dollars a year. If you create souls, can't put a price on it. Wow, Musk, that's his life, what, tell the car just crashed, what goes on there? A Rebbe? Wow. Read Washington, I have a quote there, give you the source, a teacher's influence is eternal, endless. All right? I'm happy. That is until midwinter vacation comes around. Every year I get a pit in my stomach when this break comes because I know what will happen when the students come back. Most of the Talmudim have sensible vacations. They go ice skating to a museum, some other wholesome experience that allows them to enjoy themselves and recharge for the remaining winter months. Others, however, do more, a lot more, their parents are not satisfied with a simple, nice vacation and additional family time. No, they need to go to Florida or Cancun or the Caribbean. Even if it's not going that far, they need to put on a show of wealth and vanity, stuffing materialism down their children's throats throughout the midwinter break. You see, when the Talmudim return, they have everything but learning on their mind. Their young brains and imaginations have been filled with gashmiot, often inundated with things that are inappropriate even for adults to see, and saturated with every frivolity the world has to offer. And he goes on and on crying. Now, you won't believe it. Did you, ever, did you see this or not? There was a response to him where he said, mind your own business. Who are you to tell us how to spend our money? But you see, this is part of Chinuch. Hold on, hold on, Morty. Rabbi Chil Yaakov was absolutely right. The German Rabbanim, after losing so many souls, remember the Mendelsonian era and what came afterwards, but Rav Hirsch began the rebound. And in the rebound, what do we call them? Neo-Orthodoxy. They had that ability, a new orthodoxy, to succeed within the context 
of Germany. And this is the challenge, and Rabbi Chiel Yaakov hits the nail on the head. And you look at America, I have people pick up the Shayurim, they write to me and they let out all their complaints and anguish. It's a tremendous challenge. How do we teach Torah? America, Israel, look how far we've come. The Yeshiva Chesda, the Upanot, the Yeshiva Tichoniyot, the Choice, the Priyami programs, tremendous challenge. And you have to give tremendous Hakarat HaTov to the Rabbonim, the Machanchim that created Torah that is successful in the contemporary Israeli scene. We can't teach the way we were taught a hundred years ago. We can't teach even the way I was taught 60, 70 years ago. But the challenge is there. And Rabbi Chiyol Yaakov hits the nail on the head. And nevertheless, you can't get Slabotka and Mir out of your blood. Morty, yes? When did this midwinter break business start? I remember when I was back in town, we didn't know such thing. It didn't we had, exist. We had Yeshiva from Sunday morning until Friday afternoon and so we kept on going. It's also not just that. The whole lifestyle today, kid makes a bar mitzvah. You, you, you talk to Gedoli Yisrael, what was their bar mitzvah? They drank nothing. They got an aliyah and they drank a l'chaim. If they were wealthy, they I saved... They killed the fish out of the kid. Right, herring, they saved... That, the, uh, that, that was it. Today, a kid, has a party for his friends. A party with the relatives and all the big shots. Right? Big kiddies in shoe. All right. My own feeling is you can't f- fight it. This is... You know, it can't be different than his neighbor's. But you have to be mechanech kid. You see, I, I told Yomo a story this morning about one of my grandsons. I'm very proud of him. Uh, Baruch Hashem, I have wonderful grandchildren. I just printed out. I, I'll show it to you, Morty, down the line. I've got to show it to Mark. If I don't understand the word, it's uh, my granddaughter was getting her doctorate. This is a girl. Her grandfather was the Moroccan chief rabbi or Akiva. Her mother was my student in Michala, a Svadik girl. Her mother is principal of a, uh, I, I believe it's a high, an elementary school or a high school, uh, you know, a Dota Misrach, a Frum, Yerushalayim. And th- this, the granddaughter married my uh, grandson. So uh, he specializes, I don't know how I get kids like this, B'nai Ter, everything, but they're animals. He's uh, getting his master's, he's dealing with animals, he, re- he does research, he tantalizes my wife with his stories of how they mock up uh, little animals and keep track of them as a research. So uh, she's getting her doctorate now, and I, I, I read her doctorate, I, I can't understand one word, and it's in English. A girl raised here, third generation, but English, you have to do every source cited. I, I, I'll see if I can make anything out of it, and then I'll show it to you. you I've shown you other doctorates from the grandchildren. I think they're in there, actually, uh, all in English. So uh, w- w- when this kid, my grandson, he got his doctorate, and he happens to be a genius. They're running after him, job offers. He told me, Saba, I took, a, he, for a file, he says, I was off with more money elsewhere, but I took where I feel I'm making the biggest contribution 
to the Jewish people, to the state of Israel. I said, you have no idea how happy it makes me to hear that. I see I've influenced you. See, this is the challenge. We can't tell kids that don't go ice skating, don't go, ah, here we don't have ice skating in Israel. But whatever the kids do, we have ice skating. John was telling me we do, all right? I'm an Amaretz, I didn't know. Uh, but, but whatever the kids do, the bottom message, all right, I live in the year 2024. This is what we do. But the bottom message commitment, dedication, and put money in its place. Don't be overwhelmed. My grandson, I remember, went to America. When he married a girl from Baltimore, a terrific lady, also has a doctorate. I don't know why I get so many doctorates floating around me. And uh, from Hebrew U, a biochemist. And she's doing that. Morty, you know, the one doing research at uh, at, at Weizmann today, can I her? So, uh, this grandson went to America, and he told me he was amazed what people are making a year, 100,000 or 50,000. That when he found out the cost of living, sending kids to yeshiva, the tuition, he said, he, I say, he says to me, if you make a half million dollars, it's not enough. I said, wow, you really woke up very quickly. That's all I can say. State of Israel, we came in all the all right, we made next to nothing. But tuition was nothing. Uh, I, my kids went to Chorev. There was uh, someone who knew me from America. Said to Chorev, all my contributions are to cover whatever the Rothkopf uh, bill is. And I, I could, you know, so did Chesed, I have to say, uh, initial years. Baruch Hashem. Okay. Want to go one step further? This is unbelievable. One footnote in Rebbechil Yaakov. Weinberg's Shabbat. And you have to understand what he's saying. Um, I'm quoting Chelik Bet Siman Lamed. Chelik Bet Siman Lamed. I'm quoting what I'm giving you the sources from the original edition. And that, because that's what I worked with originally. I, I, I went through his Chuvat the decade. I, I published uh, what's coming out shortly. I'm going to have volume one and two of Rakafadar and whoever wants. I'll be happy to give it to you. Anyone who comes, honors me with their presence, if you, if you need Chelik Aleph, Chelik Bet, you're welcome. It has some of my uh, postdoctorate research that I went with. Hashem. Okay. Uh, so I, I have there a piece on Rabbi Chiyodak of Weinberg. You, you'll see, I have on the Hertz, I got Hashem. It's from years ago already, I mean. Uh, this is material that was published uh, 50, 50 years ago. Okay, so uh, 50, 60 years ago. Okay, so he gets a Shaila from a, one of the graduates of the uh, Hildesheimer Seminary. A Talmud of his, gets a Shaila, can you do a massage on Shabbos? All right. You'll, you'll look at it. Can you rub oil on it? The Shaila is not important. What is important, I mean, the Shaila is not earth shaking. You'll see what he says. Uh, he deals with it very nicely. And you can imagine that these are people that. Uh, can you move, you know, these are people already living in a different world. They have to have a massage, and can you, can you move the body back and forth and put on oil, etc. 
the footnote is unbelievable. He says he chaval that they don't give the name. Malad he says Maharam Burach Let me see closely. Borer, All right, that's the name that I know. Reb Moshe, it would be Maram. Maybe it's Moshe Meir Borer. He's the one who asked the Shaila. He was he was the rav of a city in Germany, Galinkin. There's a, a conservative rabbi who's been my Talmud, David Galinkin. That that's evidently named after the uh, uh, city in Germany. And in the footnote, I'm quoting word by word. The person who asked this question was a Talmud in, of the Beismedish Lerabanim many years ago. And he was killed by Hitler. I want you to know he writes who Hayat Sadik Tamim. Oseik Patora Yomam Velaila. Venoheid Bekidusha Vetahara. And, and, and he writes, and this again is so moving, he could have saved his life. He had relatives who vouched for him and said they would support him. He could leave Germany and he refused to leave. He didn't want to leave his kehila. Bishat Sarah Umitsuka. Yeah, this is a man. Watch what the Bikhil says. Bikhilakov says, Varayulik Bola Dorot. Kirain Rabbonigemanya Nimsa Uwana Shim Sadikim Hasidimu Kadoshim. Asheb Midinota Hayrot. You hear what he's saying? That in Germany there were Rabbanim Tzadikim, Lamdanim. Had they been in Poland, had they been in Lita, had they been in White Russia, messes would be running after them to benefit from their Torah and Yirat Shemayim. And, and you see, I, when, when, when uh, Ben, you learned in Lakewood, what were you taught? He went to college. He has a doctorate. No good. Listen to what Michiel Yaakov says. And these people who all had doctorates and and were all totally current with Western, with the civilization at that time, at Haskalam HaKadamit, Shekiblu B'Universitaot B'Germania, Horidu L'Madrege Shel Rakachot V'Tabachot Mamash Lo Yuuman Ki Yusupan. They all had doctorates and masters. This was a sideshow for them. And, and you see, this is the Rav. Uh, who was the Rav? And you know, people who make the clay, he was a philosopher. They, don't, they didn't know the Rav. The Rav was no different than Rav Aaron Kutler, no different than Rav Meisha Feinstein, no different than Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. 
There was more to him, but the essence was exactly the same. And and I, I can I knew the Rav intimately, but it's not just knowing him intimately. When the Rav came to America, who did he worship? Who was the role model? Who did he emulate? Rav Lisa Silva. See, this is something. I, I, my research taught me this. Afterwards, I confirmed this with the family. Rav Lisa Silva. So you can ask yourself, Rav Lisa Silva, Morty. There were other Rabbanim in America. Of Leventhal, of Rosenberg, of Seltzer. Why did he pick and replace a silver? And you know what the answer is? Ben, you don't know this. Replace a silver was the first American product. All his godlet came to America, not Europe. Everyone else came to America. They were giants. But... Ramesha Soloveitchik once said about them when he came to America and met me, he said it's a good thing to have good memories because they haven't opened the Gemara in 20, 30, 40 years. Reblazer came to America right in Elul. He sat in, in Harrisburg and learned around the clock. And he never, you should know, he never forgave. The president of Shu was mad that the light was still on midnight, one o'clock in the morning. He sat came a guttle. learning. The Rav loved him. That was the essence. And, 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 and this is, you've got to go on and on in this footnote. And, and, he, and he says, yes, they had academic titles, but they never used them. If anyone calls, I know exactly what he's saying. The only time they use them, but, but, but when they get involved with Shiltonot, or they're dealing with the Hitbolalut and the Chavshiyim, it's the only time they ever use these titles. I know exactly what he's saying. Someone calls me Dr. Rothkopf, uh, Dr. Rakefet, I'm like, Rothkopf, Rakefet, I never said doctor. But the, remember the Jewish agency, Norm, when I started the BMT, they wanted to show they have academics that were there on a level. Dr. Rothkopf, Dr. I'd be embarrassed, I'd be insulted. Oh, but at times I use it. When you're dealing with a reform, a conservative audience, and you want them to know you're not an idiot, not an emeritus, not a backward primitive individual, as we are painted in the New York Times, as uh, just now there's a counter-reaction to the Erev article. I can't believe it. I will quote it next Sunday. And uh, I quoted the Erev article yesterday. And, and, and uh, that's, that's the only time they use this title. Now, again, I, I, I have to go one step further in, in, in this footnote. It's very important. It's But you see, what is he telling you here? That the German educational system produced Rabbanim Ga'inim Tzaddikim Kedoshim in the full sense. And yet, could never leave Mir, could never leave Slabatka. Okay, one step further in this footnote, that's in Yonadiyoma. You know what he says? I can't get over the German Rabbanim that I taught, that I knew, and all perished in the Holocaust. Hashem yikom damam ledaiti ra'uy lekboa yom 
אבל וזיכרון מיוחד לזכר רבני וקדושי ישראל שנהרגו ושנטפחו ושנשרפו על קידוש השם ולהזכיר ביום זה את נשמותיהם של קדושים אלה צריכים אנחנו לעשות כן לא משום כבודם של קדושים בלבד אלא גם בשביל הדורות הבאים שלא ישכחו מה אבד לעמנו בזמן שחושך הרישות הרחשנית קבע את ארצות, כיסה את ארצות. What a statement. My dear students, what has been one of the biggest machloiket in Israel? Yom HaShoah. The Rav met with Menachem Begin. Menachem Begin, where was he born? Do you know where he was born, Abe? Brisk. You know, Menachem Begin, Brisk. Plain and simple. The Rav, and they both claim we don't have to have a Yom HaShoah. It's part of Tisha B'Av. You read, uh, David, you read the Kinot and Tisha B'Av. You have there the burning of the Talmud. You have the Chomenitzki Messiah. You have another. Ben, on this issue, I differ with my Rebbe. The Shoah is so overwhelming. To kill, destroy every man, woman, and child. What the Nazis did to us. My wife got hooked on uh, Yad Vashem testimony. Uh, Spielberg, what he sponsored. We know some of the people. And, uh, my wife, she can't, can't get over it. She suddenly agreed with me that we shouldn't have taken a penny from Germany. Shilumim, reparations. Wow, we need a separate day. And, and here you have Rabbi Chil Yaakov Weinberg. Ben, I nominate you. Go into the Bata Yaakov here and the Chinech Hatzmai and tell them not to overlook Yom HaShoah. And when they're ready to throw you out and tell you you're a student of the rotten, vicious, malicious, silly, the tutus, depraved, degenerate, about surreptitious, are in Rakefet, show them the tshuva here from the Sridei Eish. Someone translated part of this into English. I quote, It is fitting that it is to be noted for all generations that among the Rabbanim of Germany there were Tzadikim, Chsidim, and Kedoshim who had they lived in other countries would have had tens of thousands of followers seeking to bask in their radiance. Morty, beautiful translation. Bask in their radiance. Sri Deyesh, Chelek Bet, Siman Laman, But what I told you, it's the original edition. Okay. Norm, we have arrived. Let's test your knowledge. Yeah, you're caught up in Atlanta. It's a from city today. Baruch Hashem. Uh, a very nice volume came out. Uh, Azrael, uh, Pene Moshe, I think it's called. You have it. 
the whole machlekes of how to write it. Get in Atlanta. Tell me, has the city reached out to the water that was from years ago? Where the machlekes... The Chattahoochee is now part of the city. It is part. Uh, when Rav uh, Anetta... Uh, you have Geffen and Rav... Uh, you, 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 they didn't mention it. And today, they still don't mention the name, even though it's part of the city. Very interesting, very interesting. Okay, so you're in Atlanta, and uh, they're making fun of you, and uh, Yekka, and, uh, and, and you're, you're, you're quoting it. We will, how do we know you're telling the truth? Gentlemen, there is one little volume written about German orthodoxy that is second to none. This individual you all know, Diane Isidore Grunfeld, Yitzchak Grunfeld, the Sabbath, the classic work on Shabbos that so many Baal Tshuva were influenced by that work. He takes Rav Hirsch and he makes it tangible in modern technology. The, the question that every kid asks you, you're, trying, you're speaking to a group in a conservative temple, kid says, what's wrong with turning on a light switch? What am I doing? Good question. Takes a half second. Creative labor. Creative achievement. It's not here. You can walk all day carrying two Gemaras back and forth, even though they're heavy. But you can't turn on a light switch. Dian, he wrote Chorek, the translation of Chorek. I mean, this man was just something special. You know, he was a lawyer. And he got to, German, got to England, I think, at the end of the 30s. He and his wife, Judith, she was... A, one of the early graduates of Beis Yaakov, a Talmidah of Sarashnira. And they got to England, and he was a die. he was a lawyer, he made a <laughs> they pleaded with him to become a Dayan. He was a Talmud Chacham, he became a Dayan. And his, what he wrote, what he accomplished. Now, what people don't know is he wrote a little volume, it's, it's, it's this thick, Three generations, the influence of Rabbi Samson Rafal Hirsch on Jewish life and thought by Dian Dr. I. Grunfeld. Published 1958. I'm not certain if there ever has been a second publication. You know something? You should look into it. And if there hasn't, get a group of Yekis together. Republish it. It's a fabulous volume and he could see it as subjective as he was he could be objective you follow okay now I, I want to just quote uh, from the volume and show you my sources because this is an eye and ear witness and he describes Ezra describes what this youth movement meant in Germany. This is like Yeshurun in Paris afterwards. And, and uh, how would they get together and have conventions? 
And, and the kids, remember, this was the, what I told you, growing up in the Bronx, you felt isolated. How many from kids were there? Everyone laughed at you. What are you, a fanatic? A knuck? Remember that word? I heard that word already when I was 11 years old. And, it, and how they would have conventions and Zmirat and Divrei Torah, it was from the Ezra circles that the movement to the Eastern European yeshiva started, which caused many of the best types of German Jewish youth to make their way to the famous yeshiva in Lithuania. Mir, Slabotka, and Tells. And it's unbelievable. But see, this is where you cry what Hitler did. Who knows what it would have become of German orthodoxy? Would have been a brilliant synthesis between Rav Hirsch and Rav Solanta. Hitler cut it down. And here he tells the story I mentioned very briefly of Rav David Svi Hoffman. Rav David Svi Hoffman was one of a kind. His knowledge was indescribable. There are people uh, that are blessed with everything they read, they remember word by word. See, uh, this is a blessing. Uh, I, I don't say it makes you a Gadl Hadar. You have to know how to utilize it properly. But you take Rabbi Vadi Yosef. I told you when Rabbi Koopman gave me his handwritten shiver about Michala collecting from reform Sydney Rabbi Sidney Applebaum, Louis Applebaum, Sidney's brother, excuse me, Rabbi Louis Applebaum, my good friend, Zichlona Levracha, got a reformed temple willing to give some heavy money to the Michlala campus. So I get the tshuva to work it over, and I, I, when I check the Rambam, every Rambam, Rabbi Vajra quotes, every Gemara, the verb, the noun, are not, they're, they're like transformed. The, the noun is where the verb, 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 not that it matters, but I don't know that. Then I realized he was writing everything by heart. He didn't have to open up a Rambam, didn't have to open a Gemara. He's writing about, it's a certain mind. Reb David Svi Hoffman, Shas, Poskim, Chumish, Spreirish, PhD, Linguistics, Semitics, nothing he didn't know. But when he died, they couldn't be satisfied with a Hungarian, they couldn't be satisfied with a German, they had to turn to Litter. And, and, and this was when they brought Rabbi, Rabbi Kaplan, Rabbi Avraham Kaplan, a young man yet, and he was so successful with Avram Eliyahu Kaplan, they loved him in Germany. And, and here he describes how he taught at Hildesheimers and he could teach Rav Hirsch and he could teach Rav Solanta. He wrote an essay that the students loved 
what sits it all about. Utilizing the Musa point of view and Rafiish's point of view. And when it started to blossom, the Chafetz Chaim, Abraham Eliyahu, whose father was the Chafetz Chaim's Chavruta in his youth, Chafetz Chaim heard about it, sent him a letter, an open letter to the Jewish students of Germany, 1923, and he and, and he goes on and on to encourage them. And Litta coming to Germany. And then Rabavram Eliyahu dies so young, 33 years of age. And his father had died 33 years of age. I yet had the thought of knowing the third generation, Tzvi Kaplan, who worked for the Torah Culture Department and the Mizrahi in Israel, I knew Rabbi Avram Eliyahu's son, Tzvi Kaplan. You probably met him too through BMT, you don't realize it. He was Torah Culture Department, one of the heads of it, one who gave sustenance and succor to BMT. And this is what I told you, when Rav Kaplan died, the students were transfixed. This is a description. It is generally agreed that never has there been witnessed in Berlin a similar scene of lamentation as on the day when Avram Eliyahu Kaplan was laid to his eternal rest. The expressions of desperate grief, the continued sobbing of West European men trained in self-control cannot be explained merely by the tragic event that a young father had been torn away from his family and that a very promising career had been cut short. It was far more from that, from the depths of our subconscious minds, a feeling arose, breaking with elemental force through all conventional behavior and telling us, that this death was a big blow which had struck down every one of us and had put to an end a sacred conviction which we all shared that this man was destined to bring about a revival and renewal of German Judaism. Now, what I just quoted, very powerful and Right online, that's from Yeshurun. Yeshurun was, that was founded already in Rabbi Hirsch's time, Hildesheimer, for decades. It was like tradition magazine. That's the way I'll describe it. Like Hakira magazine. And this quote is from 1924, volume 11, page 234. And with the death, with the death of Rav Avraham Eliyahu, two things happened. 
One, more and more students wanted to go back. Where did this man come from? Who inspired him? How could he be so great? Mir Slabatka tells. That was one result. A second result, Norm, they got to find a new head. Rabbi Hoffman died three years earlier. Three years later, Rabbi Liyohu, Rabbi Melio Kaplan dies. Maybe there's a great German rabbi. They needed someone with Lithuanian roots. And this was Minishamayim that Rabbi Chiel Yaakov Weinberg was in Berlin. Remember, I gave you background on his life. Whatever the reasons were, running away from a bad marriage, a divorce, whatever reasons were, he wanted to broaden. But he was there. And, and, and the fact that he was there, he was a natural candidate to succeed Rabbi Abraham Eliyahu. He had the rare combination Lithuanian Gottlieb and a PhD from a German university with all that implies. He bridged, if I can quote Dr. Grunfeld, Eastern and Western Jewry. He bridged it. There was a, an ideal synthesis between the Lithuanian and the Hersheyan concepts. Only he could continue what Rav Kaplan began. Okay, give me a second. I want to finish this. Give me another second and we'll end off today. Now, at this time, you see, people were waking up. It's like America today. We don't have to be ashamed of honest, real Judaism. And one of the people who was attracted to the seminary and to Rav Kaplan was Dr. Nathan Birnbaum. And as I told you, Dr. Nathan Birnbaum is a classic study of what was happening. He was a man who had deep Jewish feeling, stood with Herzl, coined the term Zionism, very similar to the stories that I can tell you about the refusing community. Logically speaking, they shouldn't have been, if you, if you read my article coming out in the Jewish Action, according to the Rav, there shouldn't be a, a from Jew left in Germany circa 1970-1980. How many years since 1918? No Torah, no yeshiva, no rabbanim, no shoes. How do you get from Jews? Germany, total assimilation, intermarriage. How do you get from Jews? But you see, that Jewish feeling within you, it's there. If I want to be a chassid, we'll talk about removing the klipot. But it's there. So, Jews refused Nikim. 
They came, six-day war, woke up, came to Zionism. They couldn't get out of Russia. They started to ask, why are we suffering? Why are we Zionists? Where does it come from? Well, you start to ask questions. You have to open up a chumash. The minute you open up a chumash, lech lecha, meyatcha, melavata, etc. Beitavicha. The minute you open up a chumash. Wow. Got to open a mishnah. How do you explain the chumash? What's the mishnah? Open a mishnah, you have to have, you need a, the Mossad turns to a guy named Rakhefet. They want someone to teach Gemara in Moscow. Are you willing? And and look how many Balei Tshuva we have, Kanain Hara, from Russia today, including someone sitting in this room. And he's not the only one, by far. Same thing in Germany. Same thing next in Birnbaum. Zionism? Why am I a Zionist? What's Zionism about? The next step. Religion. And he wound up with it. It's amazing. In Agurich Israel, I have pamphlets that he wrote supporting Torah, supporting Agurich Israel. And, and this is exactly what was happening. And he wrote books, quote, from atheism to faith, the nation of God, in the servants of providence. And Rabbi Avram Elio Kaplan said of Nathan Birnbaum, quote, Nathan Birnbaum is not about Shiva. He is an Abraham who recognized his creator. Powerful. And this is what was happening in German Jewry. Who knows where it would have led to the process of spiritual healing which Samson Rafael Hirsch had set about within German jury took several generations to mature and when it was about to enter its final phase an inscrutable providence willed that the fruits of that spiritual regeneration should be reaped by a small remnant only. Dispersed all over the world after a catastrophe the like of which Jewish history with all its tragedies has never seen before. Gentlemen, I rest my case. Hitler destroyed a beautiful blossoming that was heading towards total fulfillment. All right, we've had miracles, rebirth, reconstruction, German orthodoxy really doesn't exist today unto itself. Uh, came to Israel, you will not find a Hershian in Israel who's not a Mizrahiite. The whole Kibbutz Hadati, it's very fascinating. They translated Torah Derecheretz into Torah V'Avoda. Plain and simple. All the broyers, anyone you want to talk about in Israel. In America, a good deal of the element, element 
of German Orthodoxy winds up in Lakewood. Steve Machlokit, even in Washington Heights, as you know, I don't want to quote some of the sharp statements that were made. No great-grandson of Rabbi Hirsch would tell us what to do. Quote, end quote. It's fascinating. Why you, which should have been the natural partner for German Orthodoxy, it never got off the ground. And there are reasons why, by the way. I don't want to dismiss it. I take you back to my exchange of uh, acrimonious letters with Rabbi Jacob Breuer in the early 60s. Why you college at courses? Quoting up the courses? Hirsch could not tolerate it. Could not tolerate it. All right, why you would? You go, you go hold, you got to understand Rabbi Revel, understand the Rav, understand Dr. Belkin. As the Rav said, a, a college has to be a college. You, have to, you can't censor. It's not a Catholic college. I quote the Rav in my second volume, all right? I, a kid, uh, you know something? It might have been the greatest part of my education to hear teachers curse and whatnot and carry on and take any drop of literature and turn it into a, a sexual poem. It, it could very be. It, it helped us for the real world. I remember with the Rav, I, again, I, I'm going to end off, it's late, but the, the Rav, uh, every few years, they'd come and complain, why do we study Greek literature? And the Rav would say, what's the matter? You don't want to understand the foundations of the Western civilization? And Rakefet, it's perfect. If I would not know Greek literature, I could never understand how you can have a president like Trump or like Clinton or like Kennedy, playboys in the White House. We What are we talking about? Even Joe DiMaggio, who is no tzaddik, but he was saying about Clinton, in the White House, in the White House, how, how can the president of the United States... And, but you read Greek mythology, the, 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 the gods killed, seduced, raped, stole. No, if the gods can do it, we can do it too. And all right, there was plenty, plenty. On the other hand, I, I would imagine, I never spoke about this with Rebbe, but he goes with the Ramaz Psak, Misha Male Bitno, Yayan Ubasa, that if you have a good foundation in learning in Shas and Paiskim, all right, I would hope that a kid reaching Yeshiva College has a foundation. You can deal with it. All right, let the issue hang fire. But let me conclude. There's no question that Rabbi Chiyul Yaakov Weinberg, there's no question that Shiva about the mixed singing and understanding Germany, that a footnote about his Talmud, I, what, what a description that the masses would run after these German Rabbanim, they would tzaddikim, tamidei chachamim, mikadoshim, wow, wow. With all that he loved Germany and all that he loved the Western or modern world at his time, his doctorate from Gießen University, his heart could never leave Slabatka and Mir. And, and this was the pull of Lita, the yeshiva there, particularly after world during the interbellum period, World War One to World War Two, tremendous hatzlacha, as we will see in the next few years. Now we're not finished with the introduction. 
A, by witness next week's shear for all the money that Lapid claims is being pulled out of the state of Israel because they're trying to have a Supreme Court a la the American type of Supreme Court, etc., etc. Uh, I wouldn't miss next week's year because we're going to deal with another Mir graduate who couldn't get Mir out of his veins, Rabbi Aryeh Bina. And then you're going to visit Europe with him, and there's one story there that they never told you in Lakewood, but we'll tell it here. All right, next Sunday we come back to going to Mikvah. You don't realize how that shiva shakes me up because I lived it in Philadelphia. Going to Mikvah, telling, putting up a sign. Any lady that has to go to Mikvah this week, please let this gentleman know and she will arrange the carpools. My dear students, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming and participating. And we have one gentleman here who has yard site today, and he's yet a Litvak. He is still fasting, and that is Morty Tarek. And unlike his Rebbe, who I, I became Chauba Litvak and Chauba Chassid. You know what I do on my mother's yard site? I make a siyum every year, and a, a schnapps and kichel, and enjoy yourself. Uh, my father's yet side is Cholomoyed, so I can't be a Litvak even if I wanted to. But the Rav used to fast and teach Mishnayas all day. But all right, I apologize, I'm not on that level. Are there any questions from this erudite audience until we meet? Uh, yes, Norm? So just two remarks that I uh, was a joke going around, but I want to say it says in the Torah, but Tikach Miriam Akhod Ahara. Right. Where was Moshe? Right, okay. It was Kolisha. Uh, no, no, and I'll put it opposite. Aaron, who was mourned by everyone because he made peace between husband and wife, so he was more liberal. He was like Rav Rudiman. I won't destroy their Shabbos, etc. The other thing is with the Shiva week, the said now they have separate Shiva weeks for boys and girls. Uh -huh. So families are split up. A split? How do you go? How no, do you? The, the one family, part of the family goes one week, one part of the family goes the other week, and it's destroying families. This, uh, that's very bad, very bad, very bad. All right, listen, we got to live with reality, but uh, it's not easy if a kid goes to, imagine a kid goes to Las Vegas, uh, uh, they go to Las Vegas for, for Yeshua world. There's all the kosher food in the world. But what you see in Las Vegas, God's a lot pit in Las Vegas. What I saw there, the worst, I've been in Las Vegas quite a few times because my brother lives nearby, but I was in residence. I, the worst. So they give me a tour, you know, where they're gambling, gambling, and this special area, I told you, special area for the high gamblers, like not less than 10,000 a roll, dollars a roll. And I take a look, it's in Dutton, I couldn't believe my eyes. And they serve free drinks. The ladies bringing the drinks aren't exactly based Yaakov girls, but Dailech Hakim or Beremisa. I go to a water company. Yeah. They make a special bottle of water with Swarovski crystals on it. It's like for fifty dollars a bottle, ah. which they give to all these high rollers. And for the same water in a bottle like this for a buck. Wow. All right, I can understand that Rebbe feeling bad, and I can understand it very well. But I, I, I have to be once again be Makatavi to Bnei Akiva. 
they gave us that ability that we could rise above our environment. And I'm a maketover, the ability not to touch money, not to let money influence you. I didn't get from the yeshiva. I got that from B'nai Kiv. B'nai Kiv of my time. That's all I can say. All right, open it to the world. Yomo is my trusted assistant who knows all my <coughs> secrets. Revi? Yeah. Revi, uh, two, two things Recording what you said about stopped. singing. Uh, what you said about singing, I, you know, we have this friend who's um, he's a Chabadnik. He's, he's, he's Iraqi and his wife is a Taymaniyah. Wow. And he said, like, she never used to sing. And then, like, she must have been in her 60s and 70s, maybe. She started singing Zmirot on Shabbat. He said, had I known she would have enjoyed it so much, I would have been singing since the day we got married, you know. Wow. <laughs> like, you know, the women just sat there and, and now he realizes wow. that. Uh, wow, wow, wow. But, um, but I wanted to say what you said about Rev Cook and Rev Zonenfeld. There's actually a video of them at the party of, at Herbert Samuel's house, and everybody's there. Winston Churchill is there, and I think Lawrence of Arabia is there. I think it was, it was a party for the daughter. But then you see Rev, Rev, Rev Cook and Rev Zellenfeld, Rev, um, who else, Rev um, Pesach Frank maybe, like they're all coming out of the party like, together. It's, uh, and they're, they're all like shaking Churchill's hand. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a, like a, like a five-second video, but you see everybody in it. Wow, wow, wow. is there. Well, <laughs> coming coming out may have been Rav Tukachinsky, could be. Rav Tukachinsky, right, right, I think so, yeah. Rav Tukachinsky, you guys know. Rav Meir, you know, the Sparty chief rabbi right. was there. Rav Yaakov Meir. And all, the, all, the, all the Muslims, you know, all the imams and all the priests, you know, they're, right. all, they're all invited to whatever I, it was. Right. So. But there's no movie of Rav Cook running out when she got up to sing. That we have to... <laughs> that, that, I don't know. We have to... Be, I, I just saw it. I see that Rav Von Spiegel's funeral is here in Harmony the at... Right. Right, right, right. The, the funeral. I, I didn't know he's being buried here. Well, I saw it's a funeral in America, but I'm happy to hear he's being buried next to Miriam because that was a Zivik Menashemayim, as I said yesterday. And uh, it's very hard for me. These are people I loved, I grew up with. I have other stories in Rababa. We once, I mean, this story is, is off color. That's all I can tell you. And very simple. Uh, I took my secular courses seriously because I always went with the sheet there. I always told my grandchildren, if you do something, do it seriously. When I did basic training, I was the Chayom Mitzvayeng, 38 years old. What an idiot I am. No, if I'm doing basic training, I have to do it seriously. I was shooting. I still have it. I showed my day. They, they shake when they move paths. I was a sharpshooter. I won chocolate milk. It was a big thing out in the shooting range. So I said, you got to do it seriously. So, uh, Abba, we were in juniors, we were taking a course in education, and there were other guys busy learning, and they didn't take it too seriously. The exam was very hard. So we walk out of the exam, it was right before Pesach, and Abba is furious, you know, how and he used a few choice Yiddish words about this guy. I cannot use them in public, but his Yiddish was native language. <laughs> Do you know that I get home, I eat supper, I'm a kid yet, I'm at home. Maybe seven o'clock, the phone rings, it's Dr. Belkin's office, the professor dropped dead, had a heart attack, Turkel. <laughs> And they wanted us to be at the funeral to represent. They wanted me and a few others to be. 
I said to Abba, you said a few nasty words about him. Look at your power, I said. You're like a chassidic rapper. It's unbelievable. I said, you have such power. Right. Oh, boy. And that's a true right. story. That was his power. I couldn't get over it. All right. My, I, my, father, my father said that Rav David Lipschitz said he could relate to him. He said he was the Europe Like He couldn't relate to all the Talmudim and why you, right. except for him. No, he's he, he, he has given a Europeisha. That is correct. Okay. And he told me okay. stories with the concentration camp and afterwards and the peace. And I have to tell you, uh, uh, he could he could he could entertain you endlessly. But you had to know Yiddish because the punchlines were in were, were always in Yiddish. You follow? The punchlines were in Yiddish. But that was Abai. I miss him. I. I, I, I tell you honestly, I'm sorry he didn't remain in Israel. You see, that second shidduch, I was involved, but he, he, he didn't feel at home. I can understand that. I can understand it. Uh, it's like I would go to Russia and teach. Uh, believe me, I felt my inabilities that I couldn't teach in Russian. Although many of them knew English very well. When I was there recently, I taught in English. They, I started in Hebrew. And they asked me to switch to English. And if you recall, when I had the group here in the class from Russia before uh, Corona, so I, I brought out students, uh, I brought women who studied, who knew, who were Russian natives, but they were living in, in America and Israel so long, they were not that fluent in Russian. So whenever they stumbled for a word translating me, they'd say the word... Uh, Fame, famous, whatever. How do you say it in Russian? The girls from Russia would pop out the word in Russian. They knew from the English. So, uh, but I, I, I understand that you can't speak Hebrew fluently. It's hard to teach. Outside of maybe a collegiate level where they'll appreciate you for your knowledge, younger kids will laugh at you. So I understand, Abba. But it hurts. Had he remained here, who knows? He would have had grown and etc. But all right, if it's the biggest word in the di dictionary, let's let's leave it at that. And he went back to America and he did great things and land the college. Uh, you know, again, I can't be opposed. Kinatzov from Taber Chachma. The more uh, yeshiva universities you have, the more the competition, the better they'll all be. Kinatzov from Taber Chachma. And Lambda College provides, uh, it gave a place for, for the Soloveitchik family as well. You have to admire that. Rebellio Soloveitchik, named after Rebellio Prusina, teaches at Lambda College. So you've got to get Mayor Soloveitchik is his son. He goes back to YU. He's with YU. Baruch Hashem. The more, the better. That's all I can say. Are there any other questions? All right, I want to walk, I want to thank everyone, including Mark, who stayed up all night in Chicago, and I want Mark to know we miss him greatly right here in Gris, and I want to thank you, and until we meet again in health and happiness, Das Vidanya.